Well, at this time, we want to uh, hand the time over to Stephen Dewey, our uh, candidate for uh, Minister of Student and Children's Ministry. Those of you, as, as Ethan pointed out, uh, know him very well. He was our intern this past summer and did a phenomenal job along with uh, 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 Veronica. And uh, they are, uh, they are, they've come up from sunny Southern California where it's 87 degrees. And, uh, you know, they love tennis. And Veronica told me the other day she could play tennis in this weather as well. So I hope that you'll give him a warm welcome as he comes to open the Word of God for us. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. It is great to be here. And it has been a huge privilege even just to be back this weekend. I didn't want to steal the microphone time earlier, but I am so thankful for this church as well. We had the opportunity this summer just to be here for three months, to spend time fellowshipping with you, learning from you, teaching the youth, and I'm learning from Pastor Joe, and it was such an incredible experience for us. It's a time to be here, and we were so thankful for God paving the way for us to be here for those three months, and we are incredibly thankful to you and your warmth that, during that entire time. And even this weekend, the warmth, we've been to a few of the potlucks for Thanksgiving, and it's just such a joy to be back here and see everyone again. This morning, I, I couldn't think of anything better to talk about than to pr- the, the topic of praising our God and giving thanksgiving to Him. We have the, the holiday coming up, and so it's rightly fit. And because we have uh, a shorter amount of time, thanks to all the singing and the, and the praises, I picked the shortest chapter in the entire Bible for our text this morning. So turn with me to Psalm 117. It is the shortest chapter in the Bible, and thus the shortest psalm in the Psalter. And its topic is on giving praise to God. One commentator made the note, and this is not true of this church as I can tell, but he he made the comment that hardly is there anything more commanded of us in the Old Testament and yet less practiced by men than the act of praising God. Hardly anything more commanded and yet less practiced by men than the act of praising God. And again, while I don't see that at this church, I do know that that is a reality among evangelical Christianity and obviously no praise coming from outside of Christianity. But perhaps within Christianity, some of the problems, um, some of the problems stem from a variety of reasons. I think first of, I think of an old farmer. This is a familiar story of an old farmer who went to the city one weekend to attend a big city church. He came home and his wife asked him how it was. How was your time? Well, said the farmer, it was good. They did something different, however. They sang praise choruses instead of hymns. Praise choruses, asked his wife. What are those? Oh, they're okay. They're sort of like hymns, only different, said the farmer. Well, what's the difference, asked his wife. The farmer said, well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a hymn. If, on the other hand, I were to say to you, Martha, 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 oh, Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the white cows, the black and white cows are in the corn, in the corn, in the corn, in the corn, 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 corn. (laughs) Then, if I would repeat it two or three times, well, that would be a praise chorus. (laughs) So we see some confusion there. But what is praise? Praise. What is it to praise our great God? Ponder it for a moment. What does it mean to praise God? Johann Sebastian Bach, 
famous composer and Christian, said this about his music and music in general. He said, All music should have no other end and aim than, to, than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. There's no other end than the aim of the glory of God. One of the commentators I saw um, talked about worship and praise as this. The activity of glorifying God with our voices and hearts. I think that sums it up nicely. The activity of glorifying God with our voices and hearts. And we have spent much time this morning giving praise to God and singing his praise. And what a joyous time it is. We're going to see from our psalm in Psalm 117 that we are to give praise to God for he is worthy of all our worship. For he is worthy of all our worship. Look down at the text, Psalm 117, as I read this short psalm. It says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Well, this psalm, as I mentioned earlier, is the shortest chapter in the entire Bible. And oddly enough, it is the exact center of the entire Bible, the middlest most chapter. Some call it short but sweet, the mighty midget. Little is much if God is in it. That common phrase applies directly to this chapter. Little is much if God is in it. One writer found five profound doctrines contained just in this small chapter. The calling of the Gentiles, a summary of the gospel, the end and goal of God's blessing, the duties of God's people, and all their privileges are found herein. We're going to cover it in just two points. And the first point, as you see there in your, in your outline in the, in the bulletin, is the universal invitation to praise. The universal invitation to praise in verse 1. I'll read it again. Verse 1. Praise the Lord all nations. Extol him, all peoples. We see here the very first word, praise, the command to praise. Praise means to shine, to make brilliant, to make radiant. Like the sunlight shining through the clouds, our words and songs are to shine forth unto God. I heard so much of that this morning. What a tremendous blessing. God's ears, God's heart are happy. And, and joyful from the sound that he hears from true hearts and true voices singing out to him this morning. We are to shine and to make brilliant who he is in our songs. The second line begins with the word extol. Some translations the word laud. This means to speak well of him, to commend him, to loudly adore him in public worship. I like that last, that last one, to loudly adore him in public worship. The goal of our songs, the goal of our lives is to shine, to, to make God brilliant, to loudly adore him in public worship. Again, the purpose of our praise is the activity of glorifying God. We praise God to glorify him with our voices and our hearts. This is one of the sole reasons why God has created us. God has created us to bring him glory, to bring him praise, so that we may open our mouths and describe and proclaim who he is. Isaiah 43, verse 7, says that uh, 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 of his sons and daughters, God says, Everyone who is called by my name, 
whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. He's talking about his sons and daughters. And for us, this side of the cross, that would be Christians, believers, those who he formed and made, he created for his glory. He created you to bring glory to him, to praise him. That is why you are created, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, to bring glory to our God. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 talks about this even more. Paul, Paul speaks about this. He says that we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. What a wonderful opportunity we have every Sunday to come and sing praises to our God. We have tremendous opportunity throughout our weeks as well to do the same. It does not need to be limited to Sunday worship. In your cars, turn up the tunes of praise and sing. At home, as you cook, as you watch your kids, there are ample times to bring praises to God, lifting him up, proclaiming his name, proclaiming who he is and what he has done with thankfulness in your hearts. Look back at our text, verse 1. We see here that also the breadth, the width of this invitation. It says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. The word nations here, this is the word for any nation, and it came to be used in the New Testament time as the word for Gentiles, the goyim, the Gentiles, everyone outside of Israel. The word peoples refers to the wide diversity found in national and ethnic groups. Look around this room. Look at the multi-ethnic church we have here. People from all nations, tribes, and tongues have come together to praise our God. These words together, nations and peoples, equal all people everywhere. Everyone on the planet. This is a call to everyone to praise. It is not limited only to the Old Testament Jewish people. Even in the time when it was written, when it was written to the Israelites, it was for all people it was to go forth. Praise of God was to go forth beyond just the nation of Israel to the ends of the earth. We see God's plan for the salvation of every human being here in the Old Testament. It was never just to be about Israel. It was for the entire world to praise God. To praise God. Paul saw this himself in Romans. He is making his argument about the inclusion of the, of the Gentiles. And in Romans 15, turn with me there if you would into Romans chapter 15. I want you to see this for yourself. Romans 15 verses 8 and following. We see the missionary aspect of this psalm as Paul sees that the word of God, the praise of God is to go to more than just Israel, to more than just the Jews. Romans 15, I'll start reading in verse 8 and we'll see our verse when I get to verse 11. Verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And here Paul quotes in verse 11, Psalm 117, he says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. 
Paul pulls from this verse to show that the praise of God is to go beyond the Jewish people to all nations, to everyone, to you and to me. We are to praise God. Who is the object of our praise? It is Yahweh. It is the great God in heaven. And just as our text says, praise the Lord. When you see all those four letters from the word Lord there in capital letters, that is referring to Yahweh. That is the name for God. Praise Yahweh. What we have here is a call to worship the one true God, the God who is able to save you from your sin, to redeem you from your lostness, to take you out of darkness and into light. This God alone is who we are to praise. We are not to lift up the God of the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, to lift up the God of Allah, to sing any praise to the, the gods of Buddhism or Hinduism. We are to sing praise to God alone. He is the only one we are to worship. And to quote Steve Lawson, we are not just to be dogmatic about this. We are to be bulldogmatic about this. We are to praise God and God alone. Friends, this, this, this text, this verse, not only is it an invitation for us to praise, for you and me, non-Jewish people predominantly, for us to praise, but it is also a call for the lost to praise God. We see, even in, these short, in this short passage, the missionary heart of God. And that has been passed on to us as New Testament saints. We've been given the great commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all the earth, calling them to praise our Lord. This is the universal invitation. The universal invitation to praise. We continue into verse 2 now, and we have the second reason to lift high our great God in praise, and that is the magnificent motivation. The magnificent motivation to praise. Verse 2 says, For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The term steadfast love and the faithfulness of God, these two are combined the most of any other two attributes of God in the Old Testament. We see them over and over again. The Israelite people love these two terms of God and continually link them together. On the screen earlier, we saw Psalm 100 verse 5 that talked about uh, the enduring aspect of God's steadfast love and that it endures forever. Just another example these put together. It comes from Exodus 34 verse 6 and 7 where God declares to Israel, declares to Moses but particularly, his attributes. And these are two, that he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. These two combined are the reasons, the motivations we have to praise our God. When I think first of steadfast love, this side of the cross, I can think no other of Jesus Christ and the work he has done, the love he has shown us. Romans 5.8 comes immediately to mind that God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What love? 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or one more, in Galatians 2.20, Paul is saying, 
of his own relationship with God, that Jesus is the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul makes it personal. He makes it individual. He applies God's love to himself. Consider the love of Christ to you, to save you individually if you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, this special love of God does not apply to you. Friend, if you are lacking the love of God, recognize your sins. Repent of them. Turn to him in faith. Believe on Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. You will be saved. Confess him as Lord, and you will be saved, and you will experience God's special, select love. Friends, God has a deep, special, abiding love for his people. Yes, he loves the whole world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave Jesus. That is why he sent his son. But he has a special love for you, the Christian. It says it is towards us. God loves us, his children, deeper than any others. Think, think of your children if they are in nursery or if they are in Sunday school at this moment. Hopefully, you love all the children in that nursery or that Sunday school. And you would take care of them all. And you, would lo- and you love every single one of them. But when you go to pick up your child, you have a special select love for that one child that is yours in the nursery or in that Sunday school room. Yes, you love them all, but you have a special love for that one. And that is how God loves you. He sees you as his child. And he has a special love for you as his child. What a magnificent motivation to praise God. I have to make a comment on this word great because there's a lot packed into the word great. If you look at your scriptures, the second word is for great is his steadfast love. Great. This is actually a verb. It is a verb. And it's hard to translate here. We see this verb in Exodus 17 as well when Moses and the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites. And maybe you remember the story. Whenever Moses' staff was lifted up, they were, be- they were being victorious. They were prevailing. And when he lowered it, they would lose. And so he had Aaron and her hold up his staff and his arms for him so they would prevail. And the word is, when they held it up, Israel prevailed. Exact same word, exact same verb. Israel was prevailing. And here, God's love prevails upon us. One translation, the Net Bible, translates it this way. For his loyal love towers over us. They bring the verb aspect into play. For his loyal love towers over us. Friends, this is the nature of God's love. It prevails upon us. Consider the love of God in your life. If you are saved, his love has prevailed upon you and brought you into his kingdom. He has made you a child of his own. Someone commented earlier that God has no grandchildren. He only has children. They are his. They are near and dear to his heart. Are you overwhelmed by God's love for you? individually. He chose you, selected you, made you his own. His love has prevailed upon you if you are his. What a magnificent motivation to praise our God. Our hearts overflow this morning in praise to him as we sing these these psalms, these songs, and throughout our lives we have so much reason to praise God because of his tremendous love. The next word is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And some translations get it truth. And that say the word truth. And 
the, ask, the idea is the same. I, I want to combine the two into an idea of trustworthiness. The faithfulness, the truth of God here is referring to his covenant promises. He is faithful to all that he has promised. And he is faithful to those whom he began a good work in that he will complete it. Friends, if you are in Christ, nothing can snatch you out of his hand. He will take you to the end. His love that is abiding on you now will abide on you forever. He is faithful to love you, faithful to keep you. He is faithful. Titus 1-2 says he is the unlying God. He is unable to lie. Every word of God proves true. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Every word of God proves true. His faithfulness is to all generations. And the last word there is forever. It endures forever. His love, his faithfulness, these magnificent motivations of praise go on forever and ever for this life and for eternity. We have these reasons to praise God. Friends, how wonderful is our Lord. These motivations drive us to praise him. God's glory and goodness are what motivates us And in this way, his name is brought glory. What is our response? Praise the Lord. The last three words, praise the Lord. In Hebrew, it's hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise, yah, Yahweh. Praise the Lord. That is our response. Consider who God is and what he has done in your life and praise the Lord. The renowned songwriter Charles Wesley, upon the first anniversary of his salvation, reflected upon what God has done and wrote a hymn. He wrote a hymn to praise the Lord. At age 21, he was transformed by God's saving grace and given new life. His life of dead, formal, loveless Christianity was changed to one of awe and wonder at the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. As I said, on this first anniversary of his conversion, Charles considered the glory of God and lamented that he had only one tongue to praise God. He composed a hymn to that effect, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Friends like Wesley, we have thousands of reasons to praise our God. And the greatest reason of all is our salvation, the love that he poured out to us through Christ on the cross. If only we each had a thousand tongues to sing and lift high our great God in praise for he is so worthy. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. We will have opportunity here in just a moment to do that once more, but would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, how great you are. You alone are God You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy of our worship. Lord, we are so thankful for what you have done in our lives individually, for what you have done in this church, and for what you have done and are doing in the world at large. God, you are good. All your ways are good. We trust in you and your steadfast love and your faithfulness, Lord, and we praise you for it. Accept our offerings of praise this morning. as beautiful in your ears. In Jesus' name. Amen.